So fuck yes, welcome back to the Hype Video. So it's Brian Dress with me as always, Jonathan Hardesty, Chewy Darso, and Emily Blake. You did it. Hi, I'm here. Is that the uh, secret? Yeah, just not just, stopping? Just not stopping. I think that's how I'm going to have to do it for <laughs> the rest of time or until next week. Uh, so we have two special guests on. Two guests that I have tried to get on multiple times, and it's never worked out either because scheduling or more scheduling. Uh, so we have Ray Deslich. Hello. Uh, Ray, before we, do, before we go anywhere, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, as far as what I'm working on currently? Currently, in the past, on TV now, anything? Uh, on TV now is Drunk History. What, what? A lovely show that I set to great uh, and was nominated for an Emmy for last year. She was. Um, Congrats. Also worked on by the lovely Chewy Darso. Yes. Who is I, my I usually plug dresser. it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And that's airing uh, right now, every Tuesday on Comedy Central, 10, 9 Central, I think. Mm -hmm. And then also uh, Alone Together on Freeform is airing uh, which I also did the pilot for. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. I see a lot of ads for that on What's on Alone Facebook. Together? I'm not familiar with that one. It's like the awkwardest of awkward comedies. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's uh, you know, two young trying to be comedian writers in Los Angeles, just being uh, quirky to each other. Mm. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's pretty good for that, you know, if you like awkward <laughs> comedies. It's like the most of those. I'm usually up and down on it. <laughs> if the awkward never gets cut, then I'm just like, it's torture. Yeah. Uh, and other special guest we have today is Kyle Smith. Hi, Kyle. Hi. How's it going? Quite well. You? Good. How, Good. I don't know how many times I've asked you to be on the show. I'm, I'm guessing a lot I at just this point. stopped asking. Yeah, it's I kind of gave up on yeah. it, too, after a while. And even this one was really just like I put out a Facebook thing like, hey, who could be on this one? And I got a <clears throat> from him. Like, oh, he's available this time. Along, along with a, a picture of me in Halloween costume yeah. <laughs> as the lead character from this movie. So that worked out well. Uh, Kyle, what would you like to plug? I'm guessing I know what it is. Um, you guys have uh, been lovely and plugged it before. Um, I am the founder of Check 15, the monthly cancer awareness day. Um, we put out a cancer awareness video every 15th of every month. Uh, just last month was our 50th video. So we've done 50 months. Nice. Of Thank you. Um, so yeah, you can find that at check15.org um, and on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. At Check Fifteen, and you have your like YouTube channel and everything. Like, people yes, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, the the website goes to the YouTube channel because <laughs> we're mean, not quite there yet. <laughs> Whatever works, but uh, but yeah, cool. Uh, and if you guys haven't checked that out, uh, I highly recommend it. There's yeah, some, they're fun. Yeah, they're just and they're just they fun. They encourage you to touch yourself. Yeah, I mean, or other people. Yeah, I mean, with permission. With permission. Yeah, with permission. <laughs> <laughs> So you definitely got me on that one. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> uh, okay, so we'll it's do it. It's all in the name of medicine, Brian. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're in gymnastics and then you're going to hell. Yeah. Well, this conversation got weird. Oh, uh, they got they got a real, 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 and real awful. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've been reading a lot about that lately. Uh, yeah, don't don't go to the Olympics. Apparently. Um, anyhow, so we'll do a where have you been doing? I will go first. I finally started watching Black Mirror. Uh, mm. Everyone under the sun has told me that I will love it and I should watch it, and uh, yeah, I, I pretty much love it. I don't know how anyone can love the show. Like, it kind of boggles my mind. Like, it's like, yeah, you can love episodes, but the show is just so. It's also very exhausting to watch. Yes, it is. I love it. Bit, yeah. I love that exhausting yeah. bleakness. This is the main reason why I haven't picked it up. I'm like, do I want to feel bad tonight? No, I don't. Yeah, because <laughs> the, the best you can hope for, at least in my opinion, the, in the show so far, and I'm in season four now, but it's basically like, 
here's a somewhat normal to lovely person. Watch them get something horrible happen. And the best you can hope for is that, oh, it turns out they were a horrible person too. So you don't feel bad about it. It's like, yeah, that's I'm, the silver lining. I'm on like season three and I think I saw one episode that had a, a hopeful ending. I was like, oh, this is out of place. Is that the one with Mackenzie Davis? Because uh, that's so far the only one that I've seen. The one, Speaking of Mackenzie Davis. Uh, Speaking Bryce, of Mackenzie well, Davis. The one with Bryce Dallas Howard. The oh. social media you one has like a kind of a, I guess uplift so. like a somewhat like it's like yeah. a hint of an yeah. uplifting ending. I'm I like, guess yeah. I mean yeah, her yeah. life is destroyed, but yeah. then she finds the freedom some... of emotion. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, that's <laughs> not cool. I was gonna say that's you're still... free to be you're miserable. It's great. It's still kind of bleak though. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right, that's it for me. Uh, any Port. who wants to go next? Let's go around the table. Ray, why don't you go? Uh, sure. Um, as far as fun things in the world that we've been seeing or doing, uh, last Saturday was Night on Broadway, which is a massive street festival in downtown LA. And um, we went to that and uh, saw that and the Derby Dolls, who have some of our friends who've joined as mm-hmm. new skaters. Um, roller Derby is still a thing, despite it not I being... I feel like it's continually getting more popular. 2007, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know, for good reason. Uh, it's it's still great, and it was fun to see. Um, and they took over uh, maybe ten blocks of downtown, turned nice. it into a festival. One of our uh, prop assistants on Superstore had her shoulder get knocked out of place at one rally. Ooh, damn! <laughs> so she's been walking around in a sling, going, "I can still do everything with one arm." <laughs> <laughs> Thank God we all have health insurance yeah. now. Good lord! Yeah. <laughs> uh, John, what about you? Uh, so I did something a little bit different this week. I went to a music show at the Viper Room. I went to see the Lillingtons play. I was feeling in a bit of a punk mood, and cool. uh, it was really fun. But uh, you know, as I'm getting on in years, uh, standing for like five hours at a time at a show with a bunch of younger people tends to wear on you a little bit. You don't exactly look very punk. No. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, just, I, I like how the music is. And Secret, how secretly has a very studded out jacket and dyes his hair yeah. <laughs> And he puts it up in a mohawk before yeah. he goes out. Yeah. No, see, well, this way I'm noticeable there. Like, like look at this guy who stands out. That's so punk. <laughs> kind of a they twist probably, on it. <laughs> He's so punk, he doesn't care about being punk. <laughs> they probably just assume you have a child somewhere in the crowd. Like, oh, he's just hanging out in the back. I, I'm the dad. Yeah. <laughs> I stand back against the wall with the other, like, 45 year olds. Oh, she could take them all. <laughs> I've but, been to some punk shows lately with lots of children present. That's wow. just how old we're all getting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, in the one of the opening bands, uh, my friend, uh, my friend Tom, not your Tom, but my Tom, right, uh, told me like this band looks kind of like uh, if Mates of States were punk, <laughs> and it was so true. It was like kind of a they looked like they were husband and wife or at least in a relationship, and they had that kind of cheerful punk vibe, which was very weird. Who was that? Um, I'm gonna have to look up the name because I forgot. So you bas- lo- you basically just described Matt and Kim. Yeah, hmm. uh, I tend to not remember the opening band names, just because I'm a jerk. But yeah, it was really fun. It was really fun to kind of hear loud music and then have your ears ring for about you know five hours after. Hmm. Uh, Chewy, what about you? Uh, honestly, I've been coming home and only watching Grimm, and I already talked about that last week. Uh, so, what's this show, we, Grimm? I already talked about Grimm. Everyone knows. Uh, but we something coming up media wise. We were, Brian and I were lucky enough to get in the lottery for the Elton John tickets. So we scored pretty decent Elton John tickets. Yeah. We won't be able to see him for a whole year. (laughs) But Gotta love buying concert tickets for a show that's 363 days away. Yeah. (laughs) But I really appreciate that Elton did what he did. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Because what you 
for what you told me, if I remember, is he bought half the tickets or just a large percent not, of them? I'm not sure if he bought them or just reserved them. He reserved them. So but, then yeah. he was able to create his own lottery to make sure that fans could buy them before all the scalpers mm. got a hold of them and then put them on resale for an inflated price. Oh, yeah. The yeah. seats that we got, I, I won't say the price here because it's embarrassing that we spent that much, um, but they're <laughs> going for triple what we paid now yeah. online. It's like, holy it's fuck. And I was like, at paying what I paid. Well, luckily you had that side gig that... Yeah, most of it, but. yeah, that was nice. I I'm just very excited. In a whole drugs, year, I get to drugs, finally seal yeah. to in John as long as he doesn't die. Yeah, you just got to hold on one more year. <laughs> and, and I hope he doesn't die right after the concert because I did not enjoy going through that with Tom Petty. Yeah, then we're never going to an old, an old guy ever again because we're jinxed. Yeah. <laughs> we're Brian and Chew in the audience. You're going to die. <laughs> Say your goodbyes. <laughs> I would cry like so much. You killed I cried him. at you work. Killed Tom I, had Petty. To go, I had to go to the bathroom for a little while and cry it out that day when Tom Petty died. I remember talking to you guys about that because you were supposed to go to Hamilton that yeah. night, but you went to Tom Petty instead. And I was like, oh, I don't know about that, you guys. <laughs> you would have killed Hamilton. You. <laughs> He's already dead. <laughs> no, Hamilton, you dodged the, the right decision. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people thought I was insane. And I'm yeah. like... I mean, that's my rationale was that Hamilton's a play. It'll always be around. Tom Petty was a limited engagement, not as limited as I knew. Yeah. Yeah. Or what, I didn't know how limited. <laughs> I just want to refer to people as limited engagements now. <laughs> Aren't we all, Aren't though? We all? <laughs> uh, but Elton, I really look forward to seeing you. <laughs> oh, I didn't know he listened to us. <laughs> he, he might. He might. Uh, Emily, what about you? I watched Bright on Netflix. Oh. And I know it's very polarizing. It uh, is. I was I okay on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel like I'm one of few people who was like, eh. It was, um, eh. eh. Uh, yeah. it, it, it had good ideas, although I feel like most people are not going to realize it was heavily influenced. It had to have been heavily influenced by Killing on Carnival Row, um, which is a script that went around Hollywood a few years ago and is one, still one of the best uh, spec scripts I've ever read. It's it's about a like modern society that's got fairies and demons and stuff, and that's just part of life. Like there's fairy prostitutes, and it's currently being made into a TV series for Amazon, which I'm so stoked about. But uh, it's gonna come out, and people are gonna be like, "This is like Bright." Nope, it was written before Bright. Anyway, uh, but there's obvious influences, um, and so there's good ideas in Bright. I think there's it's a really cool concept, although again, it wasn't the first person yeah. to come up with that concept it's very um, skilled at squandering all its great ideas <laughs> exactly and the character just there's no chemistry yeah. like i did not there's yeah. a character who dies who i just don't give a shit about there's um there's a, an elf girl who's who were meant we're supposed to like feel this great friendship with her and this uh orc guy there's they don't give her any lines for they, half the movie they, they don't give her, her without purpose. she has nothing <laughs> yeah. to yeah. do in that movie for yeah. like the first two-thirds of it and then suddenly it's like oh this girl that we all love so much it's like what she didn't do or say anything. And well, also, because girls are just so cute when they're infantilized. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. This also wasn't very smart about its issues. It was a cop movie with elves and fairies and orcs and things like that, and then it just totally like not subtle and not very nuanced. Yeah. yeah. And it was it was all about the MacGuffin, and there was so yeah. much more world building that they could have done, and and so many more avenues they could have explored. I mean, I know it's a, it was a feature, not a TV series, which yeah. is, again, why I look forward to Killing Carnival Row, exploring that further. But yeah, it squandered all those opportunities. It didn't really delve into didn't the class to, like, system. 
you know, or turn the cop movie on its head. Like, yeah, it, it could have. Instead, it was just a cop movie that just so happened to have okay makeup. Yeah, and there were bad cops. Honestly, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good makeup. You don't yeah. even have to dig at the makeup department. Yeah. On that one. I think they did a good job. The makeup, I like the makeup and costumes. Depending on the character, were either really good yeah. or really bad. Mm. I just felt like it was a two-hour waiting exercise and. Like, will Will Smith pick up the wand? We know he's going to. Yeah. Like, it's clearly good. he's the bright. We get yeah. it. Yeah. Can you just yeah. pick it up now? No? Okay, I guess we can wait a little longer. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle, what have you been doing? Well. Where I, have you been doing? Come on. How long on the show? <laughs> I have been doing Sundance for the past three weeks. So I work there every year. Um, and uh, I saw 26 movies this year. Oh, jeez. Which is my is record. That, that's your record? Yeah, okay. that's my record. Uh and uh so yeah i've seen a bunch of really good stuff a bunch of stuff that i was like "Eh, okay and then a couple that i was not a fan of which is usually how sundance goes yeah you know sounds like a good ratio what Uh, was your uh, what was your standout so uh top three to look out for are um uh bo burnham wrote and directed his first film it's called eighth grade it's about an eighth grade girl um who does like these YouTube videos about like living your best life and being your best self, but then she's doesn't know how to apply it to her real life. Um, so it's just about this awkward teen growing she's an up. Inspirational poster. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was really really great. Uh, and then um, Hearts Beat Loud was the closing film for Sundance. It's with Nick Offerman and Kiersey Clemens, uh, their father daughter. Um, who uh, the daughter is about to go off to college to be a doctor, but they both are musicians, so they start making music together. And it was kind of a, it kind of turned the father daughter relationship on its head because he's like, You're really good at music. Don't you want to stay here and make music instead of becoming a doctor? So it was kind of refreshing huh. to see that angle um, instead of the opposite way around. Um, and then uh, I really liked I Think We're Alone Now with um, Peter Dinklage and Elle Fanning. Oh, that's um, the one I've heard it's of. It's a post-apocalyptic, but Peter Dinklage is like alone in this town, mm-hmm. um, kind of content with being the only person in the town. Uh, and then Elle Fanning shows up and kind of ruins things for him. But then um, it's just a great – I really love sci-fis that deal with um, – human elements and uh relationships and you know like you mentioned black mirror stuff like that where it's sci-fi but it's dealing with um you know very human things right so um yeah those are my top three cool if we see that movie and they don't play the song i think we're alone now i'm gonna be upset they don't uh, <laughs> fail. Well, now you can prepare for it. Yeah. Like now yeah. you know. Come on. <laughs> to sit through the whole movie. No, I, I was waiting for it too. Just, yeah. it, just and, mute the and credits and then play happened. the song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or just stand up and sing loudly at the end of the movie. No one wants me to do that. <laughs> yeah, there's a musical number at the end. It's really great. Post credits, so you got to stay. Uh, okay, we ready to talk Blade Runner? Speaking of yeah, of science. human emotions and mm-hmm. science, science fiction, fiction. Oh and, and what it means to be human. Yeah, there's so much emoting. <laughs> there is so much emoting. <laughs> just silent. It's I what could, Ryan Gosling does, man. I mean, Ryan Gosling could just come here and stand in our living room and emote, and I'll be like, "This is the best show ever." <laughs> oh, hey, here's, a, here's a cool idea: his face acting and Tom Hardy's eye acting. Oh my god! Just directed oh at you completely. 
Sean, you just, oh my God. That's just genius. They're the new silent film stars of our day. Yeah. Yes. No, but that is what's amazing. I mean, that's my first thing I said when I was watching this movie is like, how does Ryan Gosling manage to like, he manages to play stoicism filled with emotion. Like that's not a thing, but he, he's like the only actor I can think of who's so good at being able to do that. I agree that he's playing very playing it very quiet, but like we should consider how much of it is the Eisenstein effect that like we are projecting what we think he's feeling onto like a blank canvas essentially by like what the association is with his face. Uh, and that um, if he's maintaining a neutral expression and we're very impressed by that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we're just reading into what we feel his. That's his a possibility. Emotions I think he's just are a good actor. I, I first. I we're going to need to pause really oh. quick so we can do a thirty-second breakdown. Oh yeah, we just. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. I know this movie's really easy just to dive in, but I'm just going to interrupt everything, bring the whole podcast yeah. <laughs> to a complete stop, and do a thirty-second breakdown. Uh, Kyle, you're up this week for this. Oh boy. <laughs> Are you excited? I mean, I know you emailed me that no, I'm not excited. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a it's a three hour it's like a three hour movie broken down into thirty seconds, so it's like you know you, five to six minutes per second that I have to do here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll do fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. So, Blade Runner two thousand and forty nine in thirty seconds. Here we go. Go 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 go. Uh, K is a replicant and a Blade Runner. If you don't know what those things are, you shouldn't watch this movie. Uh, K is searching for the miracle child of another replicant, and in doing so, starts to think it's him. Uh, K finds Deckard, a former Blade Runner from the first movie, uh, and father to this miracle child. Uh, the company who makes replicants abducts Deckard, destroys K's augmented reality girlfriend, and leaves K for dead. K finds out he's not the miracle child, saves Deckard, and unites him with his daughter. Damn, Boom. that was well Someone done. Yeah, there you go. You got the whole plot in there. Yeah. I, I, I love to insult people when they fail, but you extraordinarily <laughs> didn't, so we can just move right along. I, that yeah. didn't You're supposed that, to make fun of Brian for a second. Yeah. That that would not have happened if I didn't <laughs> read that off my phone and like actually break it down. Earlier this morning, I was trying to do it to Chewie, and she said I got close. Yeah. 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 Just like, well, yeah, I guess three hours and 30 seconds is a little tough. I bet I can do it. And yeah. I, I tried a couple times. Mine did not go that well. There's a, there's a, there's a lot in there. I kind of forgot the name of the company. I just kept saying, not Whalen Yutani. Wallace. Yeah. yeah. But you lost time on that because it's I, longer. I did, yeah. It's But it's better than what, what, uh, not Tyrell. Ah, fuck. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So we were talking Ryan Gosling before I rudely uh, interrupted everybody. That's fine. That's okay. Um, uh, what I was going to say yes. is the the first time I noticed Ryan Gosling, like really actually noticed him, because before he was an actor that everyone said was pretty good and was really attractive, and I'd never really felt that attraction to him. And then I saw him in Drive. Mm. And that movie is very much him emoting the whole time. And you, it really you weren't worked. a fan of him in the Mickey Mouse Club? <laughs> <laughs> no. Actually, the only thing that ever would ever come to my mind that I was a fan of him in was Young Hercules. <laughs> And okay. apparently no one else watched that. Nope. Not a lot of people watched the original Hercules. <laughs> I loved the original Hercules. I, I like that. I mean, I liked it too, but, you know. Uh, 
But so I guess I have that emotional attachment to him in a way because he blew me away in Drive because I didn't know what I was going into. I didn't know what to expect. And I became very attached to his face, for lack of a better way to describe it. You, you, you grew accustomed to his face. I grew accustomed to his face. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so when I watched this movie, it is he is kind of recycling some of those facial expressions, but for me it still worked. I think that's why he was a good pick for this character. Yeah. I mean, he can do that, and not every actor can. We need the face yeah. guy. Can but, you bring him in? <laughs> but to Ray's point with the whole Einstein effect, it, is it possible that he's using that to his benefit? Like, is it possible that he knows what he's doing? Like, oh, if I just go blank face here and everything else is going on around me. But my eyes this, look so sincere and they're getting filled with water. Yeah. I mean, there's a certain amount of that that is um, requested by him being a replicant. Uh, because, you know, for example... When his flying car crashes in, I think the the ruins of San Diego, he the, he does a noticeable amount of not freaking out, uh, yeah. because he's an android. Yeah. Like you're yeah. not mm-hmm. supposed to. Other androids do show more emotional reaction than him, I think. But um, it makes perfect sense that you know, in like an emergency situation, he would look up and you know put his seatbelt on and you know, secure the car for a crash landing in which he nearly dies. But like, you know, not hyperventilate or do any sort of very human biological reaction to it. So, you know, his um, his deadpanness is called for by the character. Um, but I do think that we we might be reading a little into it. Well, I don't think so. I think he's just a really good actor. He knows what he's doing. But, like, but I mean, there is a possibility. I mean, He's not nominated. I mean, I thought he was phenomenal in this yeah, movie. Mm-hmm. He's not nominated. Yeah. I um, When we went through his nomination list, I was just like, that's what he's been nominated for? Yeah, the ones he got. It was a, a, the Nelson movie. Half Nelson. And uh, mm. I forgot the other one. La La Land. La La Land. I'm like, those are the two movies. Yeah. Been, yeah. All, all the movies in his repertoire that Early are La better. La Land. Yeah. I mean, he was, it's all I, the ones where he's goofy. Apparently yeah. people... Want to see that from him instead? That. Oh, I'm fine with yeah. Goofy. Uh, he was so good in uh, the nice one with Russell Crowe. Yeah, nice guy, he was yeah. Oh, that's nice right. He was yeah. fucking great in that. Yeah. Okay. I think um, he's a really good actor. Yeah. He is a really good actor. Yeah, I loved him in a little movie called Lars and the Real Girl. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, I that, yeah. Which is kind of funny because it kind of happens. That sort of thing happens in this movie too, <laughs> where we'll get there. he doesn't have a doesn't have a real girlfriend, he's but he's very much in love with. This yeah. not real girlfriend. He's used to acting with that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least this one, he had an actual actress on set with him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't just like, talk to the doll. <laughs> what is her name again? The actresses? Yeah. Anna de Armas. Anna de Armas. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny because yesterday I was like, I can never remember her name. I just think of her as a combination of Scarlett Johansson and Clara from Doctor Who. Yep. Mm. Oh, she is very Clara. Yeah. yeah. And then Brian's just like, you just described the most beautiful woman in the world. <laughs> okay, just described a combination of gorgeous. Um, but yeah, more about like uh, Ryan's, uh, this movie. I really like that, speaking a little bit to like the marketing of the film and uh, like the way they just kind of throw you into the movie right away. Throughout the entire marketing of the movie, they never said that Ryan was an android. No. Mm-hmm. Um, you could kind of guess if you're really paying attention, but I know... I don't try to watch trailers. I think I only watched half of the first one. Yeah, I, uh, I might have watched the first one once. Yeah. The first I was, teaser. I was trying to stay as clear-headed as I could because I really love the director and I love Blade Runner. So I was like, all right, I really want to know as little as possible. But from what I understand, people who are even like in the hype train with this thing, they still didn't know he was an android. 
And I like that they don't treat it as a reveal in the movie either. Like, it's just a good way to like kind of hide it in the trailers. But as soon as the movie starts, that first fight with Dave Bautista, it's like, oh, he's an android. Yeah. Or he'd be dead right now. Yeah. That's kind of how like I was going in. I saw maybe one of the trailers didn't really pay much attention. Um, I was like, who did they cast as the android in this Blade Runner movie? Because clearly <laughs> the main character is going to be an android. Mm-hmm. And then the movie was like, I got you one. And then they're like, maybe he's real. I'm like, whoa! <laughs> Wait, yeah. are, are <laughs> they, they, they kind of like, oh, I bet you didn't get that. So are replicants actually androids? Yes. Um, yeah. Replicant was a name made up for the original movie. In Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, uh, they are referred to as androids or Andes, okay. um, which I think legend has it Ridley Scott did not like and found it um, a little like casual or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also wanted a term that people had not heard before for the original. Uh, and so replicants is a neologism that exists solely for Blade Runner. Hmm. Yeah, I, was, I always wondered whether or not there were some version of clones, honestly. Yeah, for that a long time. makes a little more Because they never really seem to have any mechanical parts. They are very they're, squishy, yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're not quite as mechanical as, say, like the androids in like the Alien franchise, but they still, like, the way that they've described them throughout the both films, it's like they're definitely robotic people. Like, they, they're not, right. like, they're not, they don't have robotics, so like, they're grown organic, but they're still not, mm-hmm. like, human. Yeah, they're still yeah. programmed. It's yeah, they're like, still programmed. Yeah, it's but like nowadays they're, they're trying oh. to <laughs> create organs, so this is essentially... They've created an entire human yeah, in that so. respect. Yeah, they don't. I, I like that they both kind of answer it and not answer it at the same time. Like they they say that Rachel was definitely uh, an android, but she still has a skeleton, and it's like mm-hmm. so they kind of do both. It's like yeah, they kind of are, but they're kind of not. And, yeah. and instead of dwelling on it, we're just going to try to move on with the yeah. story. And I like that they they do that. That's one thing that I really appreciate about this movie and the first movie. Uh, I did not see the first movie until what three years ago. Yeah, it was that. one of the ones that I was always told the entire time of my existence, you will love this movie. No matter what, you, oh, this movie is made for you. <laughs> so then I always kind of avoided it. Yeah, that can really put people off. You know? yeah. yeah. And you're I, like, this movie is so classic. And oh my God, I can't believe you haven't seen it. I think the yeah. more that you hear that, the less you actually. And especially when it gets personal, it's like, this is the most classic movie ever. And it was made for you. That's yeah. Ray, yeah. you yeah. will love this movie. When yeah. someone says, this is tailor made for you, I'm like, challenge accepted. So <laughs> I had, well, I hate it now. <laughs> I had that adversion to it. And I also wanted to make sure I saw it more than just on a television in mm-hmm. a living room. So I, we went to a film screening of it, I believe. Like the Arrow called, yeah. in uh, whatever city that's in. Santa Monica, maybe? Someplace yeah. close. Yeah. Um, and I did end up loving it, but not in the same way that everybody else did, I guess. Because uh, I thought Deckard was kind of an ass. He clearly kind of raped Rachel. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and I was just like, why is everyone romanticizing this so much? I mean, I really enjoyed this movie, but... This is the way some people got kind of weird with the way they romanticized it. So then when I got to see this movie, I mean, everything worked for me because I still had that association and be like, okay, these are kind of shitty people in a shitty world where they do shitty things to women. Uh, so I just accepted it. I know uh, you, Ray, had a lot of issues with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to talk about that in depth if we can between all of us, especially with Kyle and Brian. And we have three that. women at the table today. Yeah, with three women. And we also uh, need to make sure we talk about it. And three men. We're so, equal right now. Whoa. Equal <laughs> rights. It's happening. Even numbers. <laughs> well, uh, sexism is over. <laughs> sexism is not we over. We solved it, guys, right here, right now. <laughs> Woo! 
This is a momentous occasion. Because it's just so interesting to look at the world of Blade Runner and be like, this is definitely based off of our world, but it's not our world. This is not our future. And it's just like, what all did they intend to be as sexist as it is looks or what was accidental sexism? And it's like, to me, that's what really intrigues me about these films. Well, the world itself, I I love. Like, I, I love the whole, like, somewhat Asian world that we have. Because it was the movie, the first one came out in a time when everyone thought, oh, in 20 years from now, we all need to learn Japanese because that's the way Not, it's going to be. Yeah. And like everything will be Asian. So that's how they made their future. And then instead of correcting it to kind of how it turned out, they just stuck to that and made it that future in this one. And I really like that. But as far as like the like the gender roles, I I, I honestly don't feel like I have much to add to it. Because I, I, I didn't, I know a lot of people saw that there was a lot to speak, like a lot to talk about with it. And for me, I just, I wasn't paying attention to that part of the film, which is my own fault. I've seen it now three times and like each time, like that's not the thing that sticks out to me. But so somebody else who has something more about that. Yeah. A lot of, uh, something about that. Um, a lot of people give, uh, the first movie shit because they think that Edward James Olmos's character is a Hispanic man playing a Japanese man. Right. But it's really, uh, it's kind of a beautiful thing. It's like he's this amalgamation of all these different cultures. Mm -hmm. And even like the weird, he he speaks a weird language mm -hmm. in the first film. Um, that's like a, com I think it's a combination of English, German, and Japanese. Mm -hmm. So um, it's very like Firefly Serenity stuff. Yeah. So it's actually, yeah. Like on the surface, it can seem a little like, oh, that's not right. But when you like really look at, at it, it's kind of this beautiful thing because it's a merging of all these cultures i would also like to point out i i feel like they i don't know how much you want to talk about the original today in here but whatever comes up uh the world in blade runner the original 2019 and in 2049 have a lot of noticeable differences yeah and uh in in lots of ways in ethnic composition in the production design and how they're portrayed um, and so it's a little bit, um, incorrect to speak of the world of Blade Runner. I think at this point we have to specify like which movie we're referring to or which director's vision, because there were things that you said that I think are true for 2019, but are not true for 2049. Okay. Um, for example, the, the prevalence of Asian culture, mm -hmm. um, in 2019, there's lots of Asian background. There's lots of Asian signage. Um, Asian languages are not the only language that's spoken. The, right. There's a gang of kids that are speaking German. Or okay. it could yeah. actually be city speak, which, yeah. Kyle, you pointed out. Yeah. Um, but in, and this is, another, this is another huge big issue, but in 2049, there are no Asian people. Yeah. There's Asian signage. There, you hear Asian languages spoken. I believe it's mostly Korean and Japanese. Um, there are Asian women in the advertisements, but there is literally not a single Asian human in that whole movie. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. In and my, in my rationalizing brain, I came up with a theory. Maybe all the Asians went, fuck this, and went yeah. to the colonies. Mm. I mean, you guys can That's stay something there. that <laughs> right, 2049 just, explains <laughs> uh, much clearer than the first one in that Basically, all the like healthy people have left Earth. Yeah, but um, if that's if that's the case, who is all this this Korean and Japanese signage for? 
Well, who's cultural appropriation, so, man? I, I think it's a little bit of that, and I think it's a little bit of just stuff that left over. Because the the 2049 world, I think it, they mention it a lot, but I don't think they personally. This is my after watching it now a few times. I think it's my biggest sticking point with it. I don't think they do enough really letting us know the world was entirely restarted. Like that blackout, they mentioned it's like, oh yeah, I know things happen in the blackout. Mm-hmm. But if you watch like the short film where it happened, the whole world shuts down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's a complete blackout, not just in LA, it's the whole world mm-hmm. and they have to rebuild. It's not like, oh, we need to turn the lights back on. So the entire world had the reset button hit. So like everyone had to start over. So I think there's a lot. And then they started over and all the Asians were on. Well, not yeah. just Asians. <laughs> they just turn off there the lights and like also, ran for it. Yeah. There are also uh, very few black people. Yeah, and there's only two. Lenny James, like, yeah. who's yeah. a very bad person. Yeah, two speaking roles. They're both kind of like not great people. Yeah, uh, almost no black minor roles or background that I saw, and uh, no Hispanic people. Either. It is really. No, it is a very bigger. odd choice. It's what so did all of the people of color yeah. manage to make it to the offer old colonies? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's an odd. I it's know the, it's a white they, genocide, guys. They shot this in Eastern Europe, right? In, in Hungary, Hungary yeah. yeah. So I know that was one of the yeah. excuses they gave. Still, that there just you can wasn't make an effort for casting, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I know we can rationalize it as much as we want, but it is kind of weird. It doesn't it, hold up to any like follow-up questions. Yeah. Any of the no ration. I've I I was talking even to a production designer weirdly about this issue, and their excuse was, "Well, I don't think it's supposed to be Los Angeles." It's really supposed to be Los Angeles. No, it's definitely it's Los, Angeles. Angeles. Yes. Los Angeles. It's so explicitly, explicitly, they make it very clear yeah. that it's Los Angeles, and that's a reminder to any burgeoning filmmakers out there: make a fucking effort. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm sorry you shot in Hungary, but they did that to control costs. You yeah. know, yeah, totally. so yeah. it's a trade-off. If you saved all this money on labor by shooting in Budapest, then you gain money by flying out a hundred Asian background. I don't know. Yeah. And it's not like there's zero Asian people in Europe. And if if anything, with all the things going on in Syria and the Arab nations, there's a lot of refugees that could maybe use some extra work (laughs) (laughs) or something. Right. It's the world of Blade Runner 2049 is actually, and not just in its lack of ethnic diversity, shockingly not post humanist. Um, I, Went back and rewatched the original, and the original has just more people with shit bolted to their faces. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the world of Blade Runner 2049 is almost has like the Star Trek alien problem where everyone's just like a biped with like a funny nose or a funny ear. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. There's everybody in Blade Runner 2049 is just like a human. People don't even have funny hair anymore. Did did we just lose our appetite for like biohacking or body modification? Honestly, I'd say yes. The, no the world shut writing. down. So all those body modifications shut down. So would you want to do that again if that could ever happen again? So say that you like you got electronic eyes. Oh, if the world shuts down, I lose eyesight. Right. So I think them losing that stuff, that kind of makes sense. Well, so fashion yeah, that's fashion part of fashion. Changes. It yeah. changes yeah. over time, so it's reasonable to think it wouldn't be exactly the same. But I think the reliant on putting electronics in your body would change after. Oh, those all shut down when the world died. It's it's possible, um, but the conception of like what a person looks like yeah. has not changed. Sure. Uh, the I feel like the original made an effort to imagine what people would look like in the future. Twenty forty nine didn't, which is strange for a very futuristic movie that they didn't imagine like 
maybe people have stopped wearing their clothes in this way. Maybe people have emphasized different parts of their bodies. Well, like in the movie, um, uh, her, where like they, the fashion sense, we're guessing kind of like a more streamlined sense of fashion and kind of feels different because like, well, this would naturally go this direction. This felt like today. Their yeah. fashion yeah. sense. Yeah, everyone was just wearing Gareth Pugh. And that's... <laughs> it, it felt more like the Matrix in my mind of like mm, what everyone sure. in the late 90s thought the future was going to look like. While we're talking about fashion, can we can we bring up the coat, yeah. guys? <laughs> which coat? Which coat do you think? Ryan Gosling's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> that's the coat I'm, we're talking I'm still about. always attracted to that. Just the idea of plastic as clothing, with that leather—not leather, that plastic yellow jacket. No, okay, well, that's not even a real coat. She just made that up. Yeah, it's a whatever. digital. But coat. they had—they had that in the original too. That's with true. The girl when she yeah. put on that yeah. The yeah. clear one. No, oh. Ryan Gosling's coat. I just want to give a shout out to how amazing that coat is. It's a nice coat. Yeah. It's a very nice when he coat. like flips up the collar and he puts it over his face and he's just like walking through the ashy snow. There um, was a few moments when he had that collar up and walking around that it uh, felt very anime-esque and I was like, so oh, cool. okay, like I was kind oh. of attu- attuned to that. There's a lot of anime-esque things throughout this entire movie and totally. it make, even makes sense when the first short film they commissioned was an anime. Yeah. Like it, mm. it just, clearly Denny loves anime. Uh but I think that's kind of But cool. not Asian people but not. in it, I guess. <laughs> that's a... Right. Well, and Oops. another thing that, speaking of fashion, that was missing from 2049 was uh, the original is known for its use of retrofuturism. Uh, it is a very much an 80s does 40s with elements of, um, you know, Mayan design and ancient Japanese design. And I felt weirdly like much of that was missing from 2049 design-wise. Uh, it's not retrofuturistic it's just futuristic and that is the blade runner look in many people's minds that's what captured everyone's imagination was this beautiful combination between 40s detective noir and uh what the 80s anyway imagined the future would look like and 2049 just kind of left all that behind you could i'm glad you said that actually because i was trying to trying to pinpoint what was bothering me about that? Because it had a lot of shots that were very similar to the previous movie, mm-hmm. like slow trailing shots. The music was right. These elements all kind of lined up right, but then there was something off. And now that you mentioned that, like that was that was. I think that bugged me probably more. I noticed it mostly in the hair. I noticed it in the hair, but this is still years, decades later. Yeah, like that doesn't really bother me. I understand like the point mm-hmm. of view. I yeah. get it, but for me, it's just like my hair looks totally different than it did twenty years. Granted, yeah. I was a kid then, I but still, I would have liked them have changed it. To maybe a different decade. Sure, inspired. yeah. It, they could have made a more did. bold choice for sure, but it doesn't bother me that the, it doesn't look the same as the first one. They just one. didn't choose anything specific like the original did. I, yeah. I would, because I, that, that's actually a pretty good point. I love the fashion in this movie. I kept, yeah. like, I'm obsessed with fashion, and I kept just going, oh, look at that, look at that. But it was because everything that was presented was you something I want to yeah. wear. Exactly, now. Yeah. So that's a good point. It's beautiful fashion, but it's not particularly of a, of a certain time. No. And you could. Uh, saying, of course, that this is post-Blackout and, you know, 30 years on from the yeah. original, maybe their nostalgia reference point has also moved forward. Uh, if in the 80s or imaginary 2019, they were hearkening back to the 40s, maybe it's moved forward. And now in 2049, they're making all of these 90s references yeah. or 2000s references in their clothes. Maybe 90s oh. by way of like 50s, because you're coming up on the, the 50s of the 2000s. Right. Yeah. So and, there uh, could be that weird fusion of like 
I would think that it would be like they're hearkening the 90s. Yeah. Okay. There was just very little, there was almost no feeling of the retrofuturism that the original had, yeah. which is, I think, what, you know, gave Blade Runner its particular character, especially in comparison to the 80s, the other 80s futuristic movies of the time. And uh, and now it's just a futuristic movie, which yeah. is good, but it lost a little bit of that special flavor that it had. No, totally. Yeah, there's there's a bit of distinctness that is not there anymore. I can Kyle, totally Kyle hasn't I think, said anything. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I definitely wasn't bothered as much by by these things as you guys were. Uh, the one the one costume that did stand out to me that was extremely lacking was when Harrison Ford oh shows up. Oh my god! Because it, like it kind of just looks like he showed up on set and they're like, "Here's your costume, Mr. Ford," and he was like, "No, I'm wearing this." It's like, okay, right. you know, which like it works in the sense that he's like completely shut himself off. Yeah, he never sees anyone all day. So we're he lucky really, he was wearing a shirt. He literally doesn't care. Like I, his dog I get that doesn't care what he from wears. From him so. in every movie now. Yeah. Yeah. Like from uh, uh, Ender's Game to Star Wars to this, I'm just like we got him on set. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got him on set. He's agreed to say his lines, guys. <laughs> We're good. We've got a movie. <laughs> I mean, back when I did costumes years and years ago, there were actors who dictated to you what they would wear, and refused to wear anything else and there that may very well be the case it would not surprise me at all yeah, yeah. uh what do you guys think about harrison ford in this he was good i mean he wasn't amazing he was the way he always is yeah i, I didn't I, f- sorry go ahead i thought it was his best performance in a while i think it's his best of his like I've been calling them his legacy performances yeah. where he takes the roles that made him famous and he's doing them again. Yeah. Uh, I think it's the best of those because we have yeah. what we had the Indiana Jones and now and then uh, Han Star Solo Wars. and now this. And it's like out of those three, like Indiana Jones, he slept walk through that whole fucking movie. No, he did yeah. not give a shit. Star Wars, I felt like he was there, but it just I'm not sure if this the character wasn't right in the same, but this it just didn't feel right to me. And this one it feels more like Deckard, but it still felt like it felt to me like Harrison Ford was playing a different role. Like it didn't feel like Deckard to me. And I don't know why. Like Well, he's lived a whole life since then. Totally, yeah. And his response when being reminded about Rachel was, like, his face was so sad. See, I would kind of disagree that I would believe it based off the ending of Blade Runner, the previous one. Sure. His, like, encounter and that that final speech up in the rain, that's there, like, that's Deckard that made it to this movie. And I I saw that, and I think to what you said about this being his best legacy one, that's why I would agree. Yeah. Is because... Yeah, he played the later Deckard, like the years on Deckard, the worn down one. The yeah, I could, I I've seen some shit. The one who'd seen losing her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would have liked to have him to have been a little bit more unstable. Yeah, he's like, been living in this uh, radioactive wasteland of mm. Las Vegas by himself for twenty plus years. He has a dog has a and uh, and a hologram Elvis to hang out. With. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He is essentially Fallout Four, right? They talk, yeah. about, they talk yeah. about how the concentration of radioactivity is the highest in this location, and he, he looks perfectly healthy, like replica. That, Okay. <laughs> yeah, they never establish whether or not he's a replicant. They don't. And even if you're a replicant, you're still mostly organic, which would react to it somehow. Oh, I my imagine. God. Now, I'm not a huge fan of Jared Leto in this movie, but he does have my favorite, not my favorite line. I didn't use it for the quote, but that moment he's like, so you were designed to do this, this, this. I'm like, holy shit, they're actually yeah. saying he's a replica. And then he just, at the end, is like, if you were designed. Like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> interpret that to mean um, that not you were designed but uh, that 
I designed this moment for you to do this thing. Right, yeah. As yeah. in, you were designed as in you were planned to go here and do this thing. Yeah. Uh, I actually believe that the original and if we're going to get into the whole replicant thing, uh, <laughs> the original and this movie have different perspectives on whether or not Deckard is a replicant. I totally agree. Yeah, I don't think that there's like a like a consensus between no. the two movies. The director really... and Han Solo, like they were documented as having a very uh, angry fight, weren't they? Who? About... Han Solo. Han Solo. <laughs> Sorry, Harrison Ford. Was it Harrison Han Ford or was Solo. it Ridley Scott? The director, Denny, had a fight with somebody about oh, Ridley, whether or not... He and Ridley Scott did not Ridley get along Scott. very well. Yeah. yeah. And Harrison Ford and Ridley Scott have been documented as having different opinions yeah. on this topic. Yeah. So Nobody the agrees. Three of them, like, yeah. No one can decide whether or not he actually is a replicant. So. But I, I think that's appropriate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think it's appropriate that we aren't because what I don't I don't even know if Philip K. Dick had an opinion. Mm-hmm. Um. So I I think that's actually the right choice. That it's totally you know, audience it's up for discussion. Control. I love when plus movies the do that. Yeah. the themes of Blade Runner is what does it mean to be human. So the fact that we don't even know if this main character is human or not, I think is a, the right choice. Well, it's interesting, kind of per what we've been saying, that it's more ambiguous as to if he's a replicant or not. But with everyone in this movie, the 2049 replicants, it's you know. You just know that no one is practically no one's real, and it's easier to tell. Yeah. It's, it's almost interesting that it kind of ties in with the way that like a lot of that has been shaped, like all the kind of uniqueness has been shaved off to make ambiguousness impossible. <laughs> Except for Harrison Ford's character, yeah. On the uh, on the Script Notes podcast, uh, if anybody ever listens to that, it's a great podcast. You listen to it. Um, Craig Mazin brought, talked about this, and he basically he's like the thing that he loved about this movie is that this movie boldly says, "Who gives a shit if he's a replica?" Mm-hmm. And they they said it, and he said that moment was solidified for him at the uh, when Ryan Gosling and him were talking. He's like, "Oh, you have a dog? Is it real?" He's like, "I don't know. Ask him." And like that's mm-hmm. this is the best. Like we're not giving a fuck about this conversation. Also, anymore. they didn't give the fuck about the dog because they left it there in Las Vegas by itself, and that makes me upset. Yeah, well, he still has shit Elvis. <laughs> He's fine. He's got a whole lot of whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> He's got to climb a shelf, knock it down. He's good to go. Humans, I used to know them. <laughs> but uh, the one discussion Brian and I got into kind of last night, which honestly felt almost like a little bit of an awkward discussion to have between a married couple. Uh, <laughs> I didn't From know this, that's awkward. <laughs> I felt a little weird discussing it, but when we were talking about joy, um, like, what is love, guys? Uh, can love, mm-hmm. is love a choice, mm-hmm. or is it always uh, a programming in some sense? Because, like, in our lives, we're like soulmates and things. We're like, is soulmates the idea of a programmed love, or are you always choosing who you loved? Was joy genuine? Like, do you think she actually loved him, or was it all programming? Ooh, let's go around the table. I say yes. <laughs> Ray, how do you feel? Uh, you mean guess which? Do you think that she was genuinely in love or programmed love? No, but what was you just said yes. What was I your think answer? yes, she genuinely loved him. Uh, no, I think that she is an AI designed to tell. Um, the movie explicitly says several times everything you want to hear. Yep. Uh, she is the one who tells Kay that he is the robot messiah. Um, she even believes it more than he does. Yeah. Uh, and she's telling him everything he wants to hear. I think that she is an AI designed to become the waifu that he wants. Yeah. And to know that, I I don't think that she gains sentience. 
that's where I disagree. But I'll let John go first. Sure. I, I pretty much agree with what you you say yeah. about it. Just that's my outlook on things. Like she's programmed, and especially when he sees that advertisement. You're gonna write Joe. You're yeah. right, Joe. And I'm like, yeah, that was all fake. And I'm not saying that these are my feelings on love or yeah. no, human sure. feelings yeah. or whether or not soulmates exist. Uh, I'm saying based on the clues given in the movie, that's just because saying. my reaction is I wanted that to be true. I wanted like because I was <laughs> trying to pre- like she does she like it's real like I, my mind wanted that to happen and then that's that that line happening and i was like but it's a ai it's a routine like i had to back i had to pull back and that's what made me think and solidify for me that that wasn't real true you say no i know you say no i say no to love being programmed right i think love is always a choice in a way sure like it's more deep than that but if i have to yeah. choose between the two i'm gonna go with choice but do you believe that for yourself or is the movie saying that so I'm conflicted, honestly, because I look at Joy and I'm like, she's clearly is programmed to tell people what they want to hear. Oh, yeah. Look the way they want to look, dance the way they want to dance. All there of, yeah. are steps that she takes that feel a little bit beyond that at times. And so then I'm like, well, if she's a really good AI and she's supposed to be able to evolve to his needs... Like, even the greatest fear in AIs today is when you give them the program to evolve, can they evolve to their own needs, like their own agency? So then, like, okay, so she was told to do what he wanted and to love him, but then does she end up choosing to really actually love him? I, that's, I'll, I'll let the table finish. Emily, where do you land on it? Uh, I do agree with Chewie in principle that love is a choice. However, in this movie, I think... I think she was programmed to love him, but I also think it's very real for her. So whether she's, yeah. again, the same question of are they human or are they not human? Who cares? Was she programmed to love or does she just naturally love him? I don't know. Who cares? I mean, that's, she loves him for whatever source that comes from. That's 100% where I land. But yeah. uh, but I also I'll think, one, sorry, I want to say one more thing. I also yeah. think she's the only kind of girlfriend he could have. Totally. So, yeah. Can you imagine being a normal human woman in a relationship with that dude? You, that would he, he would is never by, last. He is surrounded by everyone that he works with or is around him doesn't like him. Mm-hmm. Like the people in his building just call him a Skinner. Mm-hmm. His boss just views him as a tool. But he I also, think, his, I, mean, I, think I think he would do all right with a human girlfriend yeah, with a face I, like that. Yeah, for a while. But can you imagine trying to get him to tell you that he loves you or like, hey, you know, like just getting any kind of emotional response from him or getting what you need from him? It just wouldn't happen. Because mm-hmm. the baseline that they seem to t- say that he needs to hold emotionally for his job. I don't think he is really capable of having a real relationship. Yeah. No, totally. except except she like her all her talking about how he's the one how he, when he thinks he is a human that changed like he was mm-hmm. very emotive and yeah, which is oh, a whole he was conversation. Yeah. His face got all yeah. twitchy. But like that goes that, to the whole programming question. Yeah, like but suddenly, one more person needs to answer this oh, yeah. question. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, his madam definitely wants to get it on with. Oh, him. that's Absolutely. obvious. Yeah. Like, I mean, she. There's a line where she's like, what happens if I finish this bottle? So she's like, if I get drunk, are we doing this? <laughs> and he's like, uh, I should go to work. <laughs> um, uh, so I think Joy is programmed to love him, but I think Kay genuinely loves her, which Kay is also or not. is a robot. So, yeah. so there's... That's the that's the great thing about it. There's conflicting arguments there whether yeah. a robot can genuinely love 
you know, this... When AI in general, whether or not it's a robot yeah. or a hologram, like, are they capable of evolving to genuine emotion? Do yeah. androids dream of electric sheep? Ah. <laughs> there are no sheep in this movie. Um, Bummer. There's a goat mission. Yes, there is. There's, oh, there's an origami sheep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, for ah. me, the for me the defining moment of why I think that she is not necessarily sentient, but like where it actually, whether or not it's program loved or uh, real love, it's still as Emily said, still real to her. Therefore, it still is a real version of love. Um, is when she snaps the antenna and she's entirely on her own. Yeah. She's no longer getting updates. She's yeah. no longer any. She is just what she is. So like she's <coughs> she is her programming. That's true. But she has her own thing at that point. She's but, no longer. But. <laughs> is she just following the second law of robotics when she does that? It's possible, yes. <clears throat> yeah. Because she removes herself from the home console in order to not leave a trace when Kay essentially goes on the run. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, I'm assuming that the makers of this movie are aware of Asimov's laws of robotics. I would assume so. Right. <laughs> or at least hope so. <laughs> so the second one of which is a robot cannot, through an action, cause harm to come to a human being. Um, if Joy were to leave herself to act in self-preservation and leave herself programmed onto the console, then she would be opening K up to harm. K, mm. whether or not he's a human or a replicant is her master in like robot terms um and so through an action she would cause k to come to harm she has to i presume obey that second law of robotics and even if in her mind um she's doing what she feels she is actually obeying a robotic saw that's programmed into her when she does that. Yeah, and that totally makes sense, but I don't think that negates the the love aspect of it. Like she, I think yeah. that that she feels. Yeah, there's a, I mean, there's in the original iRobot, there's a story about robots inventing this weird ass religion that keeps them like maintaining a space station right. and locking humans out of it. They think that they're inventing. <clears throat> pardon me. They they think that they're having feelings. They think that they're having religion. They're actually just obeying the second law. Hmm. When do I, they start I, rapping with Will Smith? <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a, but there is that one little scene where she, she, she and Mackenzie Davis become one, um, and to have so that she can give him a sexual experience, which is kind of her. But also, I think that's for her as well. Yeah. And then the next morning or whatever is it morning? I don't know. Whenever she she comes back in and Mackenzie Davis is still there, she's just like, I'm done with you, and yeah. it's very dismissive. It's almost like she's jealous. And upset that she doesn't get to have this experience more often. It's it, there. There is a very human reaction to that, that that would indicate that there are feelings involved and it's not just about her programming. It really feels like Wallace set up these basically love robot hologram things to have a real shitty life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like that, being that a sex entire, slave, man. Yeah. Other than the special effects for that scene, I couldn't get invested in it because I was so annoyed at how much it reminded me of her. <laughs> yeah. yeah it is it's far too similar of a scene uh with too few years between it yeah. it just can't make you think of anything but that for some reason it, because of how well it was executed it still doesn't bother me but i, I think you're both spot on like it, it yeah, is it's very samey it. um 
Uh, what haven't we hit in this movie? We've been talking for a while, and there's so we much to talk about. We haven't talked about love, really. And oh, we, we haven't talked about, talked about uh, Well, we've talked the, about the love. We, <laughs> the character. We haven't really, because there's been a lot of criticism of this movie and the feminist angle, and I, I think it's too much. I, I don't agree with it. Uh, but, well, um, the, the weird thing is, is that there's a lot of, all the women in this movie. There's a lot of women in this movie. Are kind of servants. Except for Robin's character, she's the yeah. boss of the LAPD. But she, but she, then she also has very masculine presentation too. It's so like yeah. there's a weird sense of. Yeah, they're also... they're all servants in some way. But there's more women speaking roles in this movie than most. And the women are, I mean, the, there's two women in this movie. Who are fucking badass. There are a bunch of women speaking roles, but there's weirdly not a lot of women like out in the world. Um, if you look at the crowd scenes, the background, um, there's almost no female cops which is super weird was like, it in the first one and the only women out in the world was the one hungarian lady in the yeah. stairwell and then the rest of them were prostitutes, prostitutes. Yeah. right like oh yeah robocop has female police officers <laughs> are we saying that 2049 is like less progressive than robocop because that's a bummer I, <laughs> it's really uh, honestly it really I, th- I think it is and i think it's supposed to be oh and, yeah and i don't like, consider uh, this a progressive world no. at all yeah I don't. So there's some questions in there's some questions that a movie leaves open ended that are good, like the question of whether or not Deckard is a replicant, or the question of whether or not the memory maker is like half replicant or full replicant, or like what that means. And then there's some questions that a movie leaves open that I think show maybe not a fully fleshed out world behind it. And I think that's one of them. Like, why are there not a whole lot of women just wandering around this world? And what happened to all the people of color? I don't think, well, what happened to all the people of color is a very good question. <laughs> I, I don't think it's a good, good, I mean, I don't think it's a, um, what was I about to finish that sentence? Anyway, I, I think, oh, I don't think it's a coincidence that we, we see the, the love slave aspect. We see prostitutes and we see images of your, you know, your mechanical wife. Um, and then when um, Jared Leto, when that replicant, like naked falls it's a woman and then he just fucking brutally stabs her um in the womb i believe even yeah. well, he's yeah. trying I mean, I... to create a fertile replicant yeah, and then but... murders her by gutting her well that's where i'm getting at is yeah. i think there is definitely this is definitely a world where women are servants where women are i don't think that's the movie saying that's a good thing i think that's this brutal world where you know you're a womb or your sex or your you know robin wright penn is probably an exception in this world in her ability oh. to to rise to the top which is probably why we don't see a lot of other and female characters. i think that's entirely true especially with robin wright because it's uh the way that she's risen oh, to the top right. she's is not robin wright penn anymore yeah right? no no uh but she's she's dressed like a man she talks like a man she walks like a man like she is fucking tough yeah like, even so, her yeah. hair is just slicked back not feminine yeah at dude all. her 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 expression when that other chick like crushed her hand around the glass and she's just like this is fine <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that scene like, i that, have a fun question shoot what happened to all of the dicks in the world Ew. like Big, vegas went very hetero male and yeah. very hetero male only <laughs> yeah if if this is and i feel like this is one of the questions that the movie leaves open-ended that i don't think it like has like a good like kind of backing to mm-hmm. what happened to all of the male sexual objectification in the world was there that in the first I'm, i've only seen the first movie twice there this point, was so not if i recall correctly um and i'm not saying that that like Excuses it because no, we... I just didn't know if I missed it. I just 
No, I don't believe we see any male sex workers or strippers or prostitutes in the first movie. Um, but the, you know, like, are we just pretending like, you know. Gay people don't exist. Thunder from down yeah. under went away somehow. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what, what I take this world as uh, and how I've, from the very first time I watched it, because I, I think I, I saw you put something to that effect on Facebook when I first saw it. I'm like, that was one of the ones that, like, I just don't see it. Because I look at this world as if Mitch McConnell became king of America. Like, mm-hmm. just, like, the worst possible person who could be running the country would outlaw anything that he'd find offensive. And seeing male prostitutes, no, 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 men, men can't, no, no, would be his response. And I, that's kind of how I took this world. The worst people have won, and now they're running society. If, if that's the case, though, why is there female prostitution and why are there sexualized women in ads? Like well, That's where I'm saying the worst people. The people who would be okay with that sort of thing are the ones who are in charge now because it's just women rampant Women are everywhere. for sex. Yeah, like yeah. that's... We we're either sex think or of the worst people as being, you know, universally hetero, but in the sense that there is just... Because on, honestly, the way that it works in the world, like if you look at like Vegas or, you know, uh, any other part of the world where prostitution is legal, yeah. um, it's not about like, well, I like women and I like naked women. And so that's what I'm going to show you. It's like, what will you buy? What are you going to buy? I'll put it up there. What will you pay for? No, that makes There is a massive variety of, of expression of objectification uh, in like, you know, I don't know, Tijuana, like places where people sell sex. And um, are we just imagining that like people decided to give up like half of the, the market for sex yeah. because nobody wants to buy a male stripper anymore? And everybody who sells sex is just like, now nah, I'm not going to make money off that. There's probably an so, underground. So here's my thing that that now I'm hitting on that it's just hitting me now. It's uh, so you don't really like this movie <laughs> uh, <laughs> because this is the world no, of the no, movie. But here's the thing: is that we are harping on this episode. This episode's going very different than I expected it to go, which is totally fine. But we are harping on the minuscule details. We haven't talked about the story almost at all. I don't see those minuscule details. And in fact, everything that I have mentioned in the episode so far, I see as a failure for the movie to really think uh, futuristically and to think um, creatively and almost transhumanistly. Sure. And and I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying that like when, say, the average Joe sits down to watch Mm -hmm. this movie, he's going to sit down to watch the story about uh, a replicant who thinks he might be a real boy and then finds out he's not. And... All the rest of the stuff to people like us in this room who love film, is, mm-hmm. you're spot on. Like These are clear filmmaking problems. But did this movie, I guess the question that I'm left with now is, did this movie succeed in what it wanted to do of just tell this story? Did it tell the story or, or did it fail in so many other fronts that we weren't able to enjoy it? Because I watch out of this movie and every three times that I've watched it, I go, no, nah, I love it. Like I, yeah. I totally, Same. and I can see where you're coming from. Like I don't disagree with you. I don't think you're wrong. I just, for me... I like the story and I like the way that the people in it tell the story that it doesn't bother me. But I'm wondering for somebody like you, did this movie just fail so hard at the other stuff that you weren't able to enjoy the story or do you not like the story as well? It's very mixed. I would, if, if asked to sum it up, I would say that it is a good story, a good story set in a uh, flawed and incomplete vision of the future. Okay. Uh, Kyle, what about you? 
Uh, this was my favorite movie of 2017. <laughs> <laughs> so, and and I agree with what you just said, Brian, uh, about Ray's opinions. Like, I see your opinion. I see that it's yeah, it wasn't fleshed out. Um, it just didn't bother me, and maybe that's maybe that's something that I need to work on. Why was this your um, favorite movie? Um, I love like like I like I mentioned, you know, when I was talking about, it, I think we're alone now. I love sci-fi that tells um, human stories, you know, and so this is a movie about what it is to be human, um, and uh, you know, I I really like the story. I thought it. I think it makes the first film a better film. Um, I think it kind of, uh, you know, the the relationship between Deckard and Rachel is problematic in the first film, and I think this tries to solve it a little bit because it it says that they were in love and they had a child um you know uh the only thing is it's easy to say that when the woman's not present well yeah but sure okay but, but so maybe okay maybe he raped her and yeah. she got pregnant and he okay. also holds her safety in his hands he's one of the few people who knows where she is and that she is a replicant and uh she's kind of got no choice but to go with him sure so maybe i'm wrong about that maybe they weren't in love <laughs> maybe he's a terrible person i think they were in love uh i say sheepishly <laughs> everyone's allowed to have a different opinion. um and uh and i also i i love that this is uh that we're i love the main character of k and that we're told that he's a replicant and then as the audience and as him as a character, we're told, oh, maybe he's not a replicant. And then, no, he is a replicant. But we, like, can see that he, like, we can, we were convinced, I think, that he was maybe part human or at least born. Um, so I loved how that played off of uh, the original in that we're not sure if Deckard's a replicant or human. So- I've heard the complaint that that reveal comes too late. What do you think about that? Uh, no, I thought it. I thought it came at a at a proper point. I mean, it comes after because Kay goes to find Deckard because he thinks he's his dad. Yeah, you know, so, and they have like that kind of awkward, like absent father, like hangout. So here's the the complaint in its entirety, and I I somewhat agree with this. Uh, the movie does such a good job setting the stage of K is at least half human ish uh, that you feel like you've almost arts outsmarted the movie. Like you feel like you have that thing like where you're sitting like, ah, I got this one figured out. Yeah. And it almost, me. <laughs> it, yeah. It, it almost kind of pulls you out of it so that by the time yeah. the table finally turns, it's like, Oh wait, no, this is interesting. It might have lost people because it is a long movie. Like yeah. you're, it's almost three hours, and yeah. that turn doesn't come till the beginning of the third act, right about. Yeah. So you have two acts of thinking that you're smarter than the movie, and then when it finally hits, if you were an average moviegoer, which I'm trying to look at this from, through the eyes of, because this movie did not do well. It it was a big fucking flop. It made its money back internationally, but over here it did way worse than anticipated. Yeah. And I have a feeling that has something to do with it. So it's three well, hours I- long, and when you sit down to watch it, you think you've outsmarted it. Well, and then you start to think once you you spend two acts of the movie like thinking I got this figured out, then you start noticing a lot of these other details that we've already discussed, and you, yeah. you start you start to make those minute details more um, like you you 
place more importance on them because that's all you have in this movie because like I figured it out. Yeah. Until until the movie's like, oh, no, you didn't. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm back in the movie again. I'm back to it. I don't necessarily disagree with that. However, one thing I kind of like that this movie did is it made it let us all make that assumption. Yeah. You expect oh, yeah. the white male lead of your movie to be the golden child, chosen one that everyone's talking about. So the moment when they're like, oh, we all thought it was us too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're like, oh, shit. And, and it, it's <laughs> such a great it's moment. It's very America. We all yeah. want to be special. Yeah. 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 So messed up, but I love I loved that, that feeling of disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> That he had because I was like I feel it too, special. but well, it's, yeah. it's disappointing and it's just embarrassing. Like yeah. it's just like you have this like he was so sure that the, I was like what she's like, yeah. it's the oh, thematic yeah, well, equivalent yeah. of waving someone's waving to the person behind you and you wave <laughs> yeah. back and you're like oh <laughs> <laughs> of course I don't know you. Yeah. I think uh, I think the important thing though is that Kay has gone on this arc and yeah he did think that he was this chosen one. He finds out very disappointingly that he's not, but he still makes the choice to do the right thing and save Deckard and unite him with his actual child. He but, chooses to play his part in what needs to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And he's the one that figured out who she is yeah. too. You know, <laughs> it seems to me like, which we haven't talked about her character. We haven't. Yeah, we, um, we probably should. <laughs> there's and not that much to her character. There but. isn't, but when, there, when her first and almost only scene happened, I was sad to see her go because I was like, Aww. I love this character. Like, yeah. I want to know more about her. So I was, yeah, when the reveal happens that, oh, it's her and she's been, like, trying to leave little breadcrumbs in these uh, memories That's to... one thing I want to discuss. Is she leaving breadcrumbs or is it just her trying to do what she says in her one line is take the little bit of freedom she has? I, I don't even think, I think it was just she fucked up is what I think happened is because she said the, the best art, there's always something of the artist in like their work. So I think she was told to make memories for basically for replicants. And she does that. And she just, she just makes them the best she can, which happened to have happens to have her own memories in there. And I don't think she realized when she was doing it, how much the replicants were going to attach themselves to these, what turned out to be real memories. Because she does say that it's illegal to use real memories. Yeah. So, Assumedly, she's not trying to exactly, use yeah. her real memories, yeah. but it just comes through. Yeah. I, I love that her. kind of reminds me of actually the book in a way, like the weird, like uh, if I'm, I might be saying it right, mercerism that they deal with in the book. That kind of that that guiding memory as religion thing. Like, yeah. I didn't, I didn't think about that until now. Like, I didn't feel like they were accidents. I thought it was uh, the type of thing where you don't have very much freedom and. The, you are given these set of rules and like the number one rule is don't do this one and with the don't do this one was the don't give out real memories so it's almost like how do you resist just yeah give, I if feel... i just give this dollop to them not like a whole memory but just this dollop of a memory could will it really do that and it's just like her version of getting herself out in the world that she doesn't get to experience but and then she I... has a lot of regret when she realizes oh crap this dollop really like fucking you up right now yeah no see i got the sense when she says uh that's you know it's illegal to use real memories i got the sense that that was like no officer i don't have any drugs <laughs> <laughs> you know and then when she does you know scan his memory i mean she starts crying i, I was yeah. about to say i love and that I, reveal but i thought it was her like oh fuck like i'm done see do you see that now, or do you see it when you watch it the first time? See, when I saw it, I thought, like, she's like, oh, he is real. He is, yeah. like, the golden child. Like, yeah. those are yeah. real memories. But then, like, the minute it was re real that he wasn't real, I was like, 
Oh shit! No, she's crying because that's her. Oh fuck! Like it was the biggest moment that I've ever had in a movie of just that pulling me back to a very just small scene, very small scene that's just under the radar. And that's, I mean, there's moments like that in this movie that make me continue to love Denny, the director, because I, I think he does those sort of reveals very well. He did it with Arrival very well. Like, where, like there's moments where you don't really put importance on that then at the end of the movie, it's like, oh, shit, no, that was really important. And her, because I think you're right. I think it was, when we're watching it the first time, it's her going, you're half human, you're fucked. Yeah. And that's how I took it, like, her crying was her just like, oh, I just talked to this guy who's... He shouldn't be here. Oh, and wow. That, we are so optimism, pessimism. You're like, yeah. you're fucked. I was like, oh, you're half human. What a glorious thing. Oh, see, I took it, <laughs> I took it as like, you're, you're going to die. I took it as neither. You're um, going to die. But, but now, like, with hindsight, I can look at it and go, oh, she's crying. Because both, she's reliving a memory that she experienced, and it was not a, a happy one at all. People were chasing her through a factory to beat her up and steal her toy. Uh, and two, she's being caught by a cop right now of, mm. oh, I put real memories in robots. That's a good point. He is a cop. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's like <laughs> that that scene has so many different layers to it, depending on which time it is you watching the movie. If yeah. it's your first yeah. time, it's one thing. If it's your second time, it's something completely different. Man, I could have done without those um, expository flashback voiceovers, though. Yeah. <laughs> We're nostalgic for You've got to have some bullshit voiceover. <laughs> yeah. We're nostalgic was, for that cut. Don't worry. Right. They'll make more versions of this film that do and do not have that. <laughs> that was definitely for the cheap seats. That was, that was for the people watching this, you know, at 8 o'clock on a Saturday night. In the multiplex. It's yeah. for the people who had a bathroom break during the important scene, and now they come back. It's like, oh, thank God they did this. Because <laughs> yeah. I really had to pee yeah, in this three-hour exactly. movie. Uh, <laughs> what was her name? I don't even remember it. Anna? The memory maker? Yeah. I think it's it was Anna? Anna. That sounds right. Um, Anna Droid? And I, I love... I know I've seen it yep. in other movies before. <laughs> I've seen it in more than one storyline, another more than one movie. Of like, where is the best place to hide the thing the person's looking for? Uh, hide it in their house. Yeah, <laughs> they'll never look there. Yeah. Tell them it's something else. Yeah. yeah, tell them it's something else and hide it in their house. Have her get employed by them. Have her autoimmune. Does she have autoimmune? Who knows? But she can't uh, leave this room. I don't. I don't think she does. <laughs> yeah. Personally, I think that's just a way of hiding her. Mm. Yeah. I also, I'm fascinated. And who did she think were her parents? The ones well, that she had was the pay- No, she said. My parents had all of the papers to get off world, but I couldn't leave because of my autoimmune. Well, so I think, so if she grew up in an orphanage. Did she get all, adopted? Uh, well, I don't know if she got adopted, but I think if she grew up in an orphanage, it was just like, yeah, your kids went off, your parents went off world. You're here, kid. Mm. Is oh, what you I, think the orphanage told her that? Yeah. Okay. I, I think that's part of the hiding. I mean, if Lenny James was still in charge, yeah. uh, he's a cock munch. So, yeah. you know. But There's that's, a, I, I think it was I don't know if she a, has any memories of being raised by. Um, <laughs> Rachel. She modified uh, her own memories. No, Rachel, oh shit! Rachel died in child labor. Oh yeah, yeah, Decker. yeah. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. yeah the spicer, spacer, the sp- the sapper, 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 yeah, sapper. Because yeah. he's the one with the footy, so he had her for a little while. How long did he have her before yeah, he sent her to the yeah, orphanage? That's a good point. Maybe by her parents, she meant her adoptive parents. That yeah, that's be. what I was saying. Yeah. Like I don't yeah. know. The ones that were going to take her off world, maybe somebody then bought her from the orphanage, and yeah, it's possible. And then failed. I'm to also take her I'm really obsessed with the toy or the machine that she uses to create it her memories. It looks like they took yeah. two lenses and melded them. Yeah, together. it kind of did. But like I'm just every I think time... it's a great prop. I know I it's love a very it. good yeah. prop. It totally looks like a Bartek, a, a focus puller. But <laughs> I yeah. I 
I think it's one of the best props in like recent cinema history. Okay, so I'm not alone. I feel because like every time that scene comes up, I'm like, how does it work? I was <laughs> like, twisting it, and making a birthday cake. I'm like, I'm fascinated. Yeah, yeah. No, during, during the length of this movie, I was kind of dipping a little bit because I watch these movies late at night. Yeah. When that thing came on, I was like up in my seat. I was sitting like, that is so cool. I can feel it. I can feel the click, click. Oh, that click, click, click. And even the um the lens, the magnifying glass in the lab, when they were doing that click, click. Whoop, yeah. I was like, I believed that they were zooming in, like. I don't like the enhance, enhance, yeah. but this yeah. had like the click version of it. I was like, it was really cool. Yeah, the just, thing I, in the lab, I thought harkened back really well to the uh, the Voicom machine. Oh, how sure. It's yeah. like this old tech, but mm-hmm. super yeah. high tech. So it's that like was, new tech I skin. That was cool. It was that yeah. like it was like what Ridley Scott used to do really well, yeah. where it's like and it's kind of current but new. Yeah, even yeah. when he's like looking through the like DNA files yeah. and stuff, it's like very tangible, you know, but I, still. I just like to imagine myself in a room with that memory maker just going, oh, ah, I suck at this. <laughs> uh, it's the Fry's musical instrument at the concert hall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be me with memories. <laughs> we, I just wanted to give a shout out because we haven't talked about the fight scene at the end that is both conf- uh, contained to a small space and underwater. We still didn't um, actually talk about love either. Yeah. Well, yeah. I want to shout out to that fucking fight so, scene because that was amazing. Guys, it's already and been a year later since yeah. we started. Yeah. We've shoot. already been talking for a while. So, what do we want to? to I really enjoyed this fight sequence in the way that it gave it multiple layers of intensity of the two of them being on the same level mm. physically because he hadn't really had to deal with that quite as much in the other rest of the film. I and win. You had the cramped space of the ship. You had the. Harrison Ford almost dying, and you had the water constantly mm. hitting you. The only thing that annoyed me is how much I enjoyed Love and her character, and how like desperate she was to follow her orders. Uh, it just is a weird trope thing where it's like, ah, she's a female fighter. She's really great with her thighs. Kick, 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 <laughs> kick, 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 kick. I'm like, come on, girl. She's got her kick Girl, pants girls on. can punch. Kick, kick. Girls can punch. <laughs> I have, I have the worst, almost like internet level criticism. Why does an android drown or strangle? I mean, that's... <laughs> they bleed. The bleed, you can kill it. Yeah. yeah. What use is a robot in for space. off-world use? Yeah. I mean, what else would you expect that Jared Leto to build? Asphyxiates? <laughs> yeah. He's got to be a No, it's a valid complaint. It is. So it's just like, that fight had He's to sitting in somehow. the dark. I think I've made a mistake in the design. <laughs> just an android breathes next to him. He's like, ooh, that might have been a bad ooh. idea. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot. Get rid of the lungs. I was determined to make ovaries and I made lungs. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> It just occurred to me about the fight scene. Maybe they confine it to the uh, to the shuttle to actually give it some geography at all, because otherwise we're just in the open water outside the seawall. Yeah, wall. that makes sense. Because yeah, suddenly they're in like the vast ocean. Yeah, and then and they're just sort of. And then they walked back floating. to it. Like yeah, there were some weird geography things outside the thing. So yeah, they. Yeah, that yeah. maybe the shuttle just exists as a way to anchor us in the space of this. You know, the the set that they're in. Yeah, that, um, that makes sense. Well, and I think it's just, yeah, it's the ticking clock of whether, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Water Raising water is always a, so. a good motivator. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. Go watch Dunkirk. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <sighs> it's <didn't>... so stressful. <laughs> but to speak to that, gorgeous. This movie's gorgeous. Oh, God. The, oh, yeah. the fucking yeah. statue, the feet statue things, that whole, like, the way that was shot oh. and the okay. coloring. Does it, that one sequence, does it make anyone else think of Bastion going through the two yes. Uh, yes. things? Yes. Yes. Never-ending story. Yep. 
Like I said, the statues are a little bit more horny in this one, but they're uh, speaking. Yeah. Speaking they of how they don't shoot lasers out of their yeah. eyes. Speaking of how this was shot, and we just mentioned Dunkirk yeah. is. Deacons going to win no, an Oscar this year, or not. is Dunkirk Roger Deacons loses. Win. That's just his lot in life. It's one of the best cinematographers out there, and he's never going to get a statue. He yeah. actually makes me like yellow. Both <laughs> the time when people overuse yellow in movies, I'm like, oh yes, you're Sonnenberg, cool. Well, it's yeah. getting to a point where like frame one happens, I'm like, oh, is Deacon? Did Deacons do this? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, frame one, like, yeah. Oh, it's gorgeous. But all of his movies are. And yeah. yeah. He'll continue to lose. I, I don't like know. Someone else in the Academy recognized this. I, I think this <laughs> one is more bold choices in cinematography than Dunkirk. But the fact that they strapped IMAX cameras. Dunkirk was very isolated. Yeah. But just the very little of we got IMAX cameras in 1920s planes and flew them is like, well, that's going to impress a lot of Academy voters. Especially yeah. if they're all cinematographer voters, which yeah. they should be. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, they're, but you can I mean, also I think. Give- I think the the one thing that might just work in Deacon's favor is that he's Roger Deacons, and yeah. everyone knows that he hasn't won. Yeah. So and this one it's, is very well shot. Yeah. yeah. So Not, it's gonna it's gonna yeah, depend upon. He, I really enjoyed the way they melded uh, miniatures into the real mm. life sets because yeah. yeah. I don't feel like they did too much of a cg backgrounds they definitely did they always do. well they had to yeah. at, a, at a certain point the separation yeah. between model and cg was almost non-existent for me it all looked real and they were determined yeah. to do as much in camera as possible which i think helped the look of it a lot i'm also very happy with how many inserts this movie had <laughs> i love inserts guys inserts make everything the only insert we didn't like uh, was the rewatch of a uh, uh joy going into the rain and then she puts her hand out and then we're both like God, that one knuckle right there—that's <laughs> protruding so much. I'm like, I don't think that's her hand. Yeah. Anna Armas has a wicked wrist bone. <laughs> uh, I think we should move to quotes because yeah. we've been talking for almost an hour and a half. Oh, this is no a long shit. episode. God, we could talk for three hours. You really could. <laughs> there is that much movie. Uh, I can go first. So my my favorite quote is actually a love quote because um, I think she just had some really just stellar lines. And my favorite one that she said was, you can't hold the tide with a broom. So I just, I love that. It's just like such good foreshadowing. If they wanted to do a third one of like where this is going, like you are not doing enough to stop what we're doing. And I, I just, I think that was really a cool moment. And she delivered it fucking awesomely. She did every line in this movie. That's mine. I, I like the Somali dude, which we didn't talk about who like that dude is so awesome. Um, when he, Bakhtad Abi, I think I his name is. Never tried to pronounce it. Um, I'm the captain now. Yes, <laughs> but I liked when he, when he was just like, "You want a horse?" And then later he's like, "Doesn't want a horse." He says he doesn't want a horse, and then later on again he's like, "You want a horse? A goat?" <laughs> he's determined to get him a horse. Yeah, he's just like, I, just, I can get these things. He was in some good movies this year. He yeah. had that one and Good Time. Uh. Although he did not have a good time. A good time. Uh, mine also is in reference to animals. Um, and it's a nice callback to the original. Um, Kay uh, asks Deckard uh, in regards to his dog, is it real? Deckard says, I don't know, ask him. <laughs> you know, because it's great. Because uh, in the original, when um, Deckard sees the owl, you know, oh, he, yeah. wonders, he wonders if it's real. You know, and he's curious himself if it's real. So just... Uh, I thought it was a great callback, and it kind of tells us where Deckard is. He's like, I don't fucking care. It's a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't they play that scene too? Like in one of like the like yeah. the, the yes. feedback things. Yeah. The, yeah. So just uh, in case you didn't catch it was a reference to the first one, mm-hmm. they made sure you knew. Like, yeah. look how smart we are. Yeah. <laughs> 
Still, they did that better than other movies. It's true. Yeah. yeah. I didn't feel like I was being hit over the head. Remember, I love this movie, but I will happily take shots at it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, going back to how you said that this future is all about the worst people, i.e. Mitch McConnell, <laughs> uh, being in control of the world. Uh, the guy quote that happens rather early in the film. Uh, it's when Kay goes back to tell her all the things she found. <clears throat> and Lieutenant Joshi slash Robin Wright says, you're hurt. I'm not paying for that. <laughs> And I'm like, I like oh, that. Yeah. so Republican. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so Republican. <laughs> that took me a second to realize how Republican it was. <laughs> and then you just get sad. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll go. The quote I like, we, we referenced it, and I think we may have said it, but when uh, Joy was like, I'm done with you now, to um, oh. Mariette. Like, I bow names in this Mackenzie movie. Mackenzie Davis. Yeah. She's so fucking They're quiet now. I've been inside you. Not as much there as you think. And I was like, oh, what a dig. Mm. Like, if AI That's can a hurt. very good insult. So yeah, petty. AI Such can be a like, good insult. Like, I winced. I was like, oh, ow. For a machine. <laughs> if only she just walked out going, burn! No, <laughs> <laughs> <Like>, oh, what up? <laughs> yeah, I suck. And then she hits the door with her face. <laughs> I have a very different version of this movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, more shout out for Mackenzie Davis, though. You should watch Halt and Catch Fire. She's mm, fucking so awesome. Good. She's in, uh, I saw um, the new Jason Reitman Diablo Cody movie, you Tully. Did. Oh. And she's yeah. great. In it. Yeah. She's the lead in that, isn't she? Uh, no, Charlize Theron's the lead, oh, okay. but she's a she's good, first solid build on supporting. IMDb. Yeah. Well, watching that trailer, I'm like, is this my future? I mean, she's the title character. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. Last but not least. Um,. My favorite one is this is deceptively simple. Uh, it's when Robin Robin Wright is yelling at Kay and she says, "You don't even look like you on the inside." After he fails his emotional baseline test, um, it speaks to the way that I mean, the whole emotional baseline test that they do is great uh, and is full of lots of coded references to, you know, pale fire and. Uh, program emotional programming and things like that and um she's angry because they have figured out a way to like to run emotional diagnostics basically on their replicants and he's failing this and it illustrates her sort of perception of k as a tool that you can run diagnostics on and understand and she thinks that i mean to even say you look like this on the inside is like a lie. You can't tell what anyone looks like on the inside. And it's um, both, you know, the human arrogance towards replicants um, and her view of him as a tool that she thinks that just by reading some test results, they can see what his emotional state is or where his loyalty lies or if he's dangerously close to snapping and murdering a human. Yeah. That is a lot of stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. all well done. I would fail you know, that right. emotional baseline yeah. every time because every time I watch those sequences, I'm like, I'm getting stressed out here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can, can I add one more too? Because sure. there's another part to the quote that you gave yeah. that I really like, and it's um, it's still love as she's about to murder Robin Wright, and it says, uh, she says, "You tiny thing, in the face of the fabulous new, your only thought is to kill it for fear of change." Um, and that's very Republican, very Republican as well. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great line. You know what I really like about that line? Um, I hate most of Jared Leto's dialogue in mm. this movie. Um, I hate most of Jared Leto. I agree. <laughs> and His face does not do it. <laughs> but uh, when love, and he talks in all of this very metaphorical, flowery sort of 
Um, but when love delivers it, it's more concrete, it's more specific. Uh, and it's, you know, the metaphor that she's drawing is very clear. She's speaking, of course, in the language of her master, but like when she says it, you can actually understand what she means by it, and it's very well phrased. And it makes sense that she talks in like a Wallace-esque manner. Hmm. But oh, yeah. like when she said that, I was like, oh, thank God. Like this is what all of this stupid-ass dialogue is supposed to do. <laughs> and the, That one worked. The final thing I'll say about love is I, I feel like we should have swapped out Jared Leto for her on the cover mm. of the Blu-ray. But it's oh, yes. just my opinion. Yeah. He's famous. Or <laughs> yeah, we didn't, yeah, I get it. He's more popular. As in but, we, didn't, uh, we didn't talk about Jared Leto's character at all because yeah. we all kind of hate him. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, he serves, he serves the right purpose and... Yeah, I mean, it is, it's it a is character a that you're kind of supposed to hate. So. In a misogynistic society, you got to have an yeah, asshole works. man at the yeah. top of it. Yeah. Oh, it totally worked. I just, I uh, felt like... It, I felt it, like his character was over-designed. Sure, yeah. Yeah, my, no, for, um, for He is the new Johnny Depp my in back, so many ways. My backup quote was uh, just one word um, when Kay is talking to um, Gaff. Is that Edward mm-hmm. James Olmos' yeah. character? Um, and they're talking about Deckard and he says uh, that he's retired um, just because retired is the term that Blade Runners use for yeah. dead yeah. Um, and I think they would have never done it because like we said you gotta like get people in those seats somehow but it would have been amazing how amazing would this film have been if we didn't know Harrison Ford was in it uh, yeah. oh yeah you know oh, and yeah. then that line like holds even more weight yeah. and it's like oh maybe Gaff killed Deckard yeah. Yeah. You know, you, but that... we know that Harrison Ford's coming, so then it doesn't hold as much weight. But when I saw when he first said that in theaters, I was like, oh that, man, this would be so great. Yeah. But they would never be able yeah. to do that in today's no need way. for money. <laughs> that was one Which of the, still the, the director actually complained about that during the Kingsman trailers for the newest one. Yeah. He uh, got really mad that they showed um Colin Firth. Colin Firth in the movie. Yeah. I'm just really mad they made that movie. But that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole... Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that movie someday. I don't... Uh, it's another one I'm not sure I, I just ever not. want to rewatch. It's... Ugh. Based uh, on off our conversation about it yeah. and what you told me, I have no interest. <laughs> yeah, it's just not my favorite. But that's okay. Uh, so review system for this one, I think will be easy... But we'll see. I do have to say, you can't say Fury Road. God damn it. used it too many times. <laughs> uh, you son of a bitch. You use that a lot. I guarantee, I, because it applies a lot. Because I guarantee you'd use it for this one. I would. Uh, I was already planning to. <laughs> I didn't care what you said. Uh, movies that take place in a shitty future. God damn it. <laughs> I'm going to use Fury Road. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's all the advice to you, Emily. Uh, but I do have mine because I, I thought about it a while ago because I cheat like that. Can I'm going... we use the original? <laughs> <laughs> if you hadn't just asked, I would have been like, okay, but now that you've asked, I can say no. Um, I'm going to go with The Rover. Um, it's a movie that not a lot of people even realize takes place in a future, but it's more like a, an immediate future after the world has ended. And I, I love that movie so much but mostly because it tells a really kind of simple story in kind of a grand way and it's just shot unbelievably well and i think this one's kind of the same thing the story is not super complex but it's told in a complex way and it's shot beautifully i got mine dread mm. <laughs> another movie uh, with sylvester stallone yeah great movie. not that one. <laughs> dread not judge dread uh the one starring carl urban who everyone knows i adore the guy who uh, acts with his mouth. <laughs> uh, and he's so good at it. Talk about emoting just with your lips. <laughs> oh, man. Him and Tom Hardy in a movie. 
Uh, I find Carl Urban to be way more attractive. But Dread is such a, was a surprise of a movie for me. Because, you know, the original's not great. Not at all. Uh, and I've only had the most base, like, knowledge of the comic book. And then I saw that movie. I'm like, this future sucks. I don't want to live in it, but I love watching it. Uh, and that's the same emotions I have to Blade Runner. Because, you know, Blade Runner, not good towards women. Don't really want to live there. Beyond the fact that it's a post-nuclear war something-something world where things, everything looks like it sucks in Blade Runner. I love watching it. <laughs> Yeah. The Road Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> Should have seen that coming. Yeah. Well, no, but it applies because I feel like he is a very stoic character. He is kind. I wouldn't say anti-hero, but, but he's definitely not a hero hero. And by the end, he has found a community that he sort of reluctantly decided to belong to. And he saves the day. That works. I'm annoyed at my own rule because I should have included it's all of Mad Max, but that's, that's on me. <laughs> I will find a loophole. All right, I'm going to say Minority Report. Okay. Because it's also based on a Philip K. Dick story. Um, also, I think uh, one of my um, favorite looking movies. Um, and... Uh, and I guess story-wise, it's uh, you know a our main character is um, cop in a uh, thrown into a position that's uh, kind of turning his world on itself, um, and then there's a real reveal at the end that uh, kind of changes everything for him. So yeah, that kind of works. I haven't watched Minority Report in a long time. I really liked that when it came out, though. Yeah, I never have. I seen it. I think so. Good. It was during my I don't like Tom Cruise face. So it's one of my favorite movies of yeah. all time. Yeah. One I would like to compare it to would be Hardware. Uh, Never seen Hardware. Hardware no, is great. Hardware is an early '90s uh, cyberpunk movie with uh, Dylan McDermott and I forget the female lead. Um, Those piercing blue eyes. She, yeah, he's <laughs> he's a kind of like a road warrior esque figure, but he's a he's a scrapper out in the wastes. And every now and then he comes back into the city to see his girlfriend, who is this like crazy welding metal artist um, in this big loft in a like super decrepit building. And it's very similar to like J.F. Sebastian's apartment in the Bradbury, except with robots instead of dolls. <laughs> um, and it's a fascinating, really well, f- there's lots of world building. Yeah. Um, at one point, the two characters uh, fight about their future and they're like well the only thing that there is to do is to you know be a smuggler or to go into the, the you know whatever the space flying services and then you get irradiated and it's so it portrays it as if there's just like a shitty world with very few like subsistence job options for most people and um one thing i really like about it is it manages to portray a dystopian future that does not rely heavily on portraying the exploitation of women. Hmm. Um, I can't remember the main character's name, of course, but she's just a metal worker, and she lives in this big, weird loft and creates a robot that, with the addition of this weird MacGuffin from the Wastes, tries to kill her, admittedly. Because <laughs> <laughs> the movie needs a plot. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> But uh, it's, yeah, they're just, it's just a, it's a shitty world for the average person. 
and um, it's not like exceptionally shitty for women. It's just shitty all around. Uh, the movie has a really great early 90s industrial soundtrack um, and it's very stylish and it's one of the early cyberpunk classics. Hmm. I should we probably should probably watch it. Yeah. yeah, it's great. It sounds <laughs> a lot better than Hackers, which everyone tried to tell me. Okay. Hackers is I amazing. I love <laughs> Hackers. It is amazing. <laughs> Our Venn diagram yeah, is well, growing. Just, we've got three things <laughs> now. <laughs> hackers has some really like good touchstones to it. It's it's very yeah. of its time, but you know you can't yeah. just like... That's one of the... Hackers is one of those movies that I should have seen when I was in the 90s because yeah. then when I saw it, Five years ago, when you made me watch it, mm. I was just like, Ugh, "But Johnny Lee what? Miller, everyone loves Johnny Lee Miller." <laughs> you just gotta love it for what it is. Yeah, yeah. I try. I Matthew do. Miller. I love it. Yeah, and Matthew I love Miller. to think about myself Gresham if I had Byrne. seen it in the nineties. <laughs> All right, John. Okay, there's only so long we can kill time for you. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna go with. Uh, let's see. Make sure I don't double up. Uh, a scanner darkly. Oh. Where I it's like it's. That's what? animated with Keanu Reeves, right? Right. Yeah. Good old Link later. Where it for me is more fun to talk about as we're doing now than necessarily watch, but brings up some I interesting totally agree things. With that. <laughs> <laughs> I never want to watch that thing again. Yeah, I've never had the urge to rewatch Scanner Dark. Right, right. Whereas I'll, I mean, as much as I liked what I saw here, I'm never going to rewatch this movie again. Um, right. But it, similarly, like just like I got way more out of dissecting it with you guys here at the table than I did necessarily watching it. Mm. Hmm. That happens to me a lot at this table. <laughs> <laughs> I feel good about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's Scanner good. Darkly is also PKD, right? Yeah. 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 There you go. There's a lot of him at the table today. Yeah. Huh. Uh, a lot of dick at the table. <laughs> if only. But not in the movie. <laughs> the one thing is, <laughs> if, <laughs> if uh, they did have super large uh, dick uh, male things in that Vegas scene, sure. they would have all fallen off. He would have been, instead of wait, walking around shoes, he would have been walking around dicks. Which would have been awesome. You just totally <laughs> sold me on this. Then my, But it could just be man-ass everywhere. It would just be like, you know, the, the entrance to a pleasure hall would just be a great big sculpture of man-ass. Just walk into the ass. I was, I was just reminded of two things that... Uh... Goatsy? <laughs> Three things. Three things. <laughs> I was just reminded of two things that I wanted to bring up because uh, I'm not certain if they're just me like thinking these, but I assume that K was named after Philip K. Dick. I would assume so as well. Yeah. And also the uh, toy horse, I'm fairly certain used to be a toy unicorn. Hmm. Wasn't there a unicorn in the anybody... movie? Yeah, the origami unicorn and the uh, dream yeah. that yeah. Uh, Deckard has. I'm Fairly certain. Is there like a notch on the top of it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's kind of mm. cool. Mm. Yeah. Very Interesting. clever. All right. Some good details. Yeah. So with that. They got some details right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's the box quote. They got some details. <laughs> they got some details right. I'm going to bring today's episode to a close. Okay. Uh, I think we've covered about as much as this as we can. I think there's probably another hour or so we could keep going into it because there's a lot to unpack in this movie. And who knows? Maybe we'll do that at some point. Probably not. Um, so next week we have uh, Chewie's Choice. I need to stress this as much as possible because I <laughs> did not like this movie. No, you didn't. Um, no, not very people did. No, no one did <laughs> except for Chewie. So everyone can thank Chewie for next week's choice. Which I'm is excited about it. Geostorm. Are you ready <laughs> for some <laughs> space action where men are yelling at each other with testosterone? I fucking dripping am. from the walls. This sounds amazing. It's, it's a hell of a ride. So it'll be a is fun it episode. Is it better or worse than Battleship? 
From it's, your perspective, it's a from my perspective, flavor. it is nowhere near as good as Battleship. Oh, okay. and I'm, I'm like, I will excited. watch this no. on repeat. Keep Battleship away from me. <laughs> <laughs> Battleship has a legless man boxing an alien. Right? I bring this up all the time because it's very crucial to the enjoyment <laughs> of that movie. <laughs> you had me so like, okay, so this is Brian's pinnacle moment of Battleship. I'm gonna, this is the part I'm gonna like, and then it happened, and I went. <laughs> I still feel, a chicken burrito yeah. moment but anyway we're getting I still off. feel pretty good about it uh, so again uh, check out Check 15 uh, they're wonderful you should do it and you should definitely watch Drunk History because it's currently one of my favorite shows on TV I'm just happy to be somewhere in the orb of it it's pretty cool um, anything else we need to plug oh I wrote an article uh, I've been getting some pretty good feedback I'd ask everyone to keep reading it because oh, yeah. I'm pretty proud of this one It's read a, it again uh, read it again. Leave me a comment. Tell me what you think of it. It's uh, all about why I think our initial gut reaction to do rapid reactions to movies is a bad thing. It is. Um, I did read that, and that's a very good article. Thank Immediately you. when yeah. I read it, I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, wait, that's the point. <laughs> and then I reread it and thought about it for a while. I agree. Uh, but yeah, you I, still think it's stupid? <laughs> not, anymore, not anymore. My gut reaction was wrong. <laughs> But it was funny because as I was writing, I'm like, oh, shit, that's why I started this podcast. And I did not realize it at the time. So Aww. it was kind of a fun self-exploring. I did think like like first sentence is like, I wonder if he realizes this is the like the impetus for his podcast. Nope. I didn't realize it until about halfway through the article. Aww. I'm like, oh, shit. Self-realization. <laughs> it was Brian's fun. usually more self-aware. Yeah. That what, one I was. Was this your replicant moment? It was. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, I'm a real boy. <laughs> uh, so thank you so much for everybody for coming out. And... <laughs>